Hello Space Watchers, I'm Emma, the Editor-in-Chief of Spacewatch Global, and this is a new episode of Space Cafe Radio, your radio channel dedicated to emerging trends and live conferences in the space sector. This is one of our special episodes in collaboration with the Carmen Project, an independent, non-profit foundation gathering global leaders who are shaping the future of space. Every year, the Carmen Project selects 15 Carmen Fellows to foster trust, cooperation, and independent dialogue between global leaders in tech, in science, in business, in politics, and the arts, who want to positively impact space. In six episodes, we will try to tell you what does it mean to actually be a Carmen Fellows and be part of the Carmen Project, which type of project and goals the Fellows have, and what does this all mean for the space domain. And of course, we will do it through the eyes and words of the Carmen Fellows of the 2023 cohort. I was lucky enough to be part of it, so these interviews are all collected live from the Carmen Week, which in 2023 was in the Maldives. Enjoy the sound of the waves and the tales of how we really want to change the world. Enjoy. Hello, Space Watchers. Welcome back. I'm still in the Maldives, in the beautiful Lamo Atoll. And here with me, there is my co-fellow of the Carman Fellowship, Trent Trash, who is the funding director of the University of Arizona Center for Human Space Exploration. Trent, it's a pleasure to be here with you. How are you doing? Fantastic. It's great to be here in the Maldives with the Carmen Project and all of our fellows. And how is uh, the Maldives treating you? <laughs> it's great. We did some diving. We have some more scheduled for the future, but we've had a lot of great discourse. So maybe before delving into space and the Karman Fellowship and the Karman Project and what is representing for you, maybe you can tell us a bit about, about yourself, about your journey, about your path. What did brought you here today? Yeah. So for myself, I was really always fascinated by the exploration of extreme environments. So whether that was deep ocean or space, but where it really clicked for me was about 10 years ago when I was scuba diving on the Great Barrier Reef and just thinking about how if, if I could do anything with my life, how would I want to spend my time? And that did translate into exploration. You obviously have uh, a different background, maybe from the traditional space engineers. Mm -hmm. And this always allow people coming from different backgrounds to having a different view about the space sector. In your own opinion, what is the biggest challenge that you're facing in your own field? What is the bigger problem that you would like to try to resolve or you think that the sector is having? Yeah, it's something that I really like about the space industry is trying to solve, I guess, the, some of the plethora of problems that we have ahead of us. I would like to see humans living and working in space, about that the thousands, whether that's the moon or Mars, cislunar space, low, low Earth orbit. And so I, I think getting or having the ability to ask questions and work with different professionals with varying backgrounds, whether they're engineers or research scientists or leaders, change makers, politicians, you name it. I like to be able to sit down and see how I can be useful. I, I do feel that uh, a lot of people, when they think about space, maybe even younger as students, maybe high school age or university age undergrad, people are always curious how they can help or, or maybe they ask themselves, am, am I even capable of helping. And the space world in itself, I feel, is, is a community that is looking for assistance, looking for numerous voices, numerous uh, uh, people with different backgrounds and insights to kind of maybe bring different perspectives to build this road forward into space for all of humanity. And so uh, 
uh, yeah, it, it just it, it gets me excited. It gets me up every day. And even though my background was more so in the humanities, there's been just a lot of opportunity and a lot of collaborative opportunities to you know just continue to build experience and then actually have tangible impacts. And again. So for myself, without having a traditional space background, getting to work with engineers on, let's say, NASA grants, working on education programs for universities, thinking about technological solutions for problems that we face, and not only just in space, but also down here on Earth, and maybe some technology that is able to translate between kind of the, the two avenues. There's just always, there's always, a, I think, a new, a new insight and potential out of uh, all, all conversations and with people from all of these different backgrounds. And I know that I've been able to, I, I think, bring my own perspective, of course, again, not having that traditional space background that we see still a lot today. So speaking about a non-traditional perspective, just to understand a bit better, yeah. do you perceive the space industry? I don't want to put the words in your mouth, so okay. just tell me if I'm not getting it right. Yeah. Do you perceive the space industry as still a bit close and in need of someone that kind of Help, or help to build a bridge with the rest of the world, with the rest of the community? What is your perspective? Yeah, well, there's. I, I think that there are a lot of hurdles for people that don't have a traditional, let's say, engineering background to work in space. You know, what really got me started was volunteering on a handful of different projects because I had a, a genuine keen interest in them, right? And I feel that if... If you are a student, like I was at this point in time, and you're just fascinated by a, a certain problem or you're, you're passionate about an industry such as space, even without that background, your willingness to learn, I think really does drive, really can drive you and enable you to want to have discourse or maybe read, whether those are scientific articles, journals, books, right? To add to your life experience and body of knowledge to then maybe again bring something to the table that is outside of that traditional scope. And, When I do say traditional, I think uh, a lot of my colleagues that I see that work in space do have a uh, research science background or an engineering background. And you were mentioning to me a project where you are trying to involve electrician, plumbers, teachers, somebody that is completely outside of our right. bubble, is it? At, at the University of Arizona, for example, we have a handful of different projects. What I love about being in the state of Arizona is that we have so many people within the community that are fascinated by space. So we spend $100 million plus per fiscal year at the university on space research science. So you have a lot of people that are devoting their times, in some cases their lives, to the betterment of life here on Earth through space applications or the exploration of space, using remote sensing to predict uh, wildfires or looking at astronomy or You know, we've had OSIRIS-REx and the James Webb Telescope as well, looking out at exploring our solar system and beyond. So with all of these people in a state like Arizona, there's, there's just a lot of excitement. And I think that people that maybe have always wanted to be in space that feel that maybe they've missed the train because they didn't get that degree early on in their career, I'm trying to give them uh, other opportunities to get involved. And again, this is just one of the many projects that we get to work on, but How does that manifest itself? Uh, currently, something that we've worked on is actually a certificate program focused specifically on spacesuit operations. So my step into space was more along the lines of pressure vessels for human occupancy. So that would be like spacecraft or spacesuits and then exploration itself. Being exposed to a certain technology like, like spacesuits is really reserved or has historically been reserved for those in the ranks of NASA astronauts or, or other countries' astronauts, cosmonauts. 
or even let's say the military. And so we have access to these technologies through the university. And so we've created a certificate program that allows people from all backgrounds. So whether you're a plumber, a teacher, electrician, student, professor, researcher, the opportunity to come in and learn at a base level how to operate a spacesuit. We put you inside of the suit. We have a suit tech team of colleagues within that same cohort to help each other and really, again, gain exposure to technology that is saved for this kind of reserved class. And my hope by providing opportunities like this is, of course, inspiration, getting more people interested in thinking about ways that they can contribute to the space industry, but then also giving tangible, experiential opportunities that could push somebody to actually become a, a NASA astronaut, for example. So how is the Karman Project helping you to achieve this goal, uh, your vision? The Karman Project for me has, I mean, itself been an inspiration. I think being surrounded by people who are just as interested as you are to learn and to lead uh, really puts you into a position to reflect on what you're doing, how you could do better, and, and then, of course, giving you potential ideas and even resources to actually do that. So what's in for, uh, for Trent in 10 years? So what's your long-term vision? Where uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview again in 10 years? Where yeah. will you be? Uh, which person will you be? What will you have achieved? Yeah, so I think 10 years is a long time. I think my, some of my initial steps would be more so streamlining the certificate programs that we're looking to offer. So around spacesuit operations, spacecraft egress, helping students find their path into the space industry, no matter what their background is. That's more, I would say, so a, a short-term goal. Long-term, I think that... Long-term, like 50 years, something like this? <laughs> no, okay. no. no, we're still talking about 10 years. I, of course, I have personal goals. I think when I was doing my undergrad program, for example, I, I studied the arts and humanities for a handful of different reasons, but I always told myself that I could go back to school if I wanted to. And I think personally, I'm coming up on that period in time, looking at whether those are master's programs or PhD programs to put myself in, into a position to, to contribute to academia in a way that I feel can be more, even more impactful than the ways that I already have been. But I really would like to work in parallel between academia and kind of these business cases. I think that in commercial space, I want to continue to find commercially viable opportunities that can... Uh, what do I want to do with these commercially viable opportunities, Emma? It, it, it's almost as if everybody's talking about the commercialization of space. But where the rubber meets the road, as we would say, is well, what are these businesses actually going to be? What are the values that we're going to be able to create in space? And then what are markets that we're actually going to be able to sell those products or services? So maybe what it comes down to for myself is business development to some degree. Working with traditional space and maybe what we would call new space to leverage opportunities or to leverage resources to actually have maybe the most, uh, the largest impact. I think outside of business development or academia, I, I do have a soft spot for education and definitely love working with students. So I, I, I know that... So you're in action yesterday with the with yeah. kids? Absolutely. This is confirmed. I can confirm Trent is a natural born teacher. <laughs> absolutely. You know, I, I do. I mean, I think 
what's fascinating about working with students is all of these different age groups, I think you can you can have different levels and impacts in in certain ways throughout kind of their their education cycle, right? So from younger students in elementary school, middle school, high school, and then, you know, those in university and, and on to even grad school. And just being able to, I think, build different programs or even get to speak with students in, in the space world, I think, well, in the space world, you get a lot of hype around like astronauts, for example. And I think that it's definitely valuable to show students that there are still really exciting opportunities. And, and as passionate as I am about human space exploration, I want to show students of all ages that there are just, there are other potentials, show students there are other potential ways to have large impacts on the world through avenues like space and space research. I can already see the trend trash foundation at some point it's going to be full circle your foundation in 10 years time something let's see so something about foundations too i, I don't think you're going to use this at all but something about foundations is i i do feel that there are a lot of people coming together to create something and i think that's just that's the easy part is is starting a, a project but actually being able to deliver on a project is is another level and i feel that my time is going to be more is going to be better utilized by propping up and supporting the community in other ways as opposed to starting my own foundation. foundation. Yeah. Well, pity, I already see it somewhere, but I totally respect this. Okay, thank you very much, Trent. This was a very interesting conversation and it's always a fantastic opportunity for me to just speak in the minds of other fellows and understanding where they are going, how, what they, how they see about space economy, the space geopolitics and all these fields that we deal as Space Watch Global. So I thank you warmly for being here with me. I wish you and myself a fantastic uh, last uh, three days in the Maldives and I'm looking forward to talk to you again. Thank yeah, you very thank much. You. Easy peasy. Super easy peasy. Hello Space Watchers, I'm Emma, the Editor-in-Chief of Space Watch Global, and this is a new episode of Space Cafe Radio, your radio channel dedicated to emerging trends and live conferences in the space sector. Hello Space Watchers, welcome back. I'm still in the Maldives in the beautiful Lamo Atoll, and here with me there is my co-fellow of the Karman Fellowship, Trent Trash, who is the funding director of the University of Arizona Center for Human Space Exploration. Trent, it's a pleasure to be here with you. How are you doing? Fantastic. It's great to be here in the Maldives with the Karman Project and all of our fellows. And how is uh, the Maldives treating you? <laughs> it's great. We did some diving. We have some more scheduled for the future, but we've had a lot of great discourse. So maybe before delving into space and the Karman Fellowship and the Karman Project and what it's representing for you, maybe you can tell us a bit about, about yourself, about your journey, about your path. What did brought you here today? Yeah. So for myself, I was really always fascinated by the exploration of extreme environments. So whether that was deep ocean or space, but where it really clicked for me was about 10 years ago when I was scuba diving on the Great Barrier Reef and just thinking about how if, if I could do anything with my life, how would I want to spend my time? And that did translate into exploration. You obviously have uh, a different background, maybe from the traditional space engineers. Mm -hmm. 
And this always allow people coming from different backgrounds to having a different view about the space sector. In your own opinion, what is the biggest challenge that you're facing in your own field? What is the bigger problem that you would like to try to resolve or you think that this sector is having? Yeah, something that I really like about the space industry is trying to solve, I guess, the, some of the plethora of problems that we have ahead of us. I would like to see humans living and working in space at the thousands, whether that's the moon or Mars, cislunar space, low, low Earth orbit. And so I think getting or having the ability to ask questions and work with different professionals with varying backgrounds, whether they're engineers or research scientists or leaders, change makers, politicians, you name it. I like to be able to sit down and see how I can be useful. I, I do feel that uh, a lot of people, when they think about space, maybe even younger as students, maybe high school age or university age undergrad, people are always curious how they can help or, or maybe they ask themselves, am, am I even capable of helping? And the space world in itself, I feel, is, is a community that is looking for assistance, looking for numerous voices, numerous uh, uh, people with different backgrounds and insights to maybe bring different perspectives to build this road forward into space for all of humanity. And uh, yeah, it, it just it, it gets me excited. It gets me up every day. And even though my background was more so in the humanities, there's been just a lot of opportunity and a lot of collaborative opportunities to just continue to build experience and then actually have tangible impacts. And again. So for myself, without having a traditional space background, getting to work with engineers on, let's say, NASA grants, working on education programs for universities, thinking about technological solutions for problems that we face, and not only just in space, but also down here on Earth, and maybe some technology that is able to translate between kind of the, the two avenues. There's just always, there's always, a, I think, a new, a new insight and potential out of uh, all, all conversations and with people from all of these different backgrounds. And I know that I've been able to, I, I think, bring my own perspective, of course, again, not having that traditional space background that we see still a lot today. So speaking about a non-traditional perspective, just to understand a bit better, yeah. do you perceive the space industry? I don't want to put the words in your mouth, so okay. just tell me if I'm not getting it right. Yeah. Do you perceive the space industry as still a bit close and in need of someone that kind of Help, or help to build a bridge with the rest of the world, with the rest of the community? What is your perspective? Yeah, well, there's, I, I think that there are a lot of hurdles for people that don't have a traditional, let's say, engineering background to work in space. What really got me started was volunteering on a handful of different projects because I had a, a genuine keen interest in them, right? And I feel that if if you are a student, like I was at this point in time, and you're just fascinated by a, a certain problem or you're, you're passionate about an industry such as space, even without that background, your willingness to learn, I think, really, does really can drive you and enable you to want to have discourse or maybe read, whether those are scientific articles, journals, books, right? to add to your life experience and body of knowledge to then maybe, again, bring something to the table that is outside of that traditional scope. And, when I do say traditional, I think uh, a lot of my colleagues that I see that work in space do have a uh, research science background or an engineering background. 
And you were mentioning to me a project where you are trying to involve electrician, plumbers, teachers, somebody that is completely outside of our right. bubble, is it? At, at the University of Arizona, for example, we have a handful of different projects. What I love about being in the state of Arizona is that we have so many people within the community that are fascinated by space. So we spend $100 million plus per fiscal year at the university on space research science. So you have a lot of people that are devoting their times, in some cases their lives, to the betterment of life here on Earth through space applications or the exploration of space, using remote sensing to predict uh, wildfires or looking at astronomy. Or we've had OSIRIS-REx and the James Webb Telescope as well, looking out at exploring our solar system and beyond. So with all of these people in a state like Arizona, there's, there's just a lot of excitement. And I think that people that maybe have always wanted to be in space that feel that maybe they've missed the train because they didn't get that degree early on in their career, I'm trying to give them uh, other opportunities to get involved. And again, this is just one of the many projects that we get to work on, but how does that manifest itself? Currently, something that we've worked on is actually a certificate program focused specifically on spacesuit operations. So my step into space was more along the lines of pressure vessels for human occupancy. So that would be like spacecraft or spacesuits, and then exploration itself. But let me just go back, Emma, on how do I want to say this? Being exposed to a certain technology like, like spacesuits is really reserved or has historically been reserved for those in the ranks of NASA astronauts or, or other countries, astronauts, cosmonauts, or even, let's say, the military or even let's say the military. And so we have access to these technologies through the university. And so we've created a certificate program that allows people from all backgrounds. So whether you're a plumber, a teacher, electrician, student, professor, researcher, the opportunity to come in and learn at a base level how to operate a spacesuit. We put you inside of the suit. We have a suit tech team of the colleague. We have a suit tech team of colleagues within that same cohort to help each other and really, again, gain exposure to technology that is saved for this uh, reserved class. And my hope by providing opportunities like this is, of course, inspiration, getting more people interested in thinking about ways that they can contribute to the space industry, but then also giving tangible, experiential opportunities that could push somebody to actually become uh, a NASA astronaut, for example. So how is the Karman Project helping you to achieve this goal, uh, your vision? The Karman Project for me has, I mean, itself been an inspiration. I think being surrounded by people who are just as interested as you are to learn and to lead uh, <laughs> really puts you into a position to reflect on what you're doing, how you could do better, and, and then, of course, giving you potential ideas and even resources to actually do that. So what's seen for, uh, for Trent in 10 years? So what's your long-term vision? Where uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview again in 10 years? Where yeah. will you be? Uh, which person will you be? What will you have achieved? Yeah. So I think 10 years is a long time. I think my, some of my initial steps would be more so streamlining the certificate programs that we're looking to offer. So around spacesuit operations, spacecraft egress, helping students find their path into the space industry, no matter what their background is. That's more, I would say, so a, a short-term goal. Long-term, I think that... 
long term, like 50 years, something like this? <laughs> no, okay. no. no, we're still talking about 10 years. I, of course, I have personal goals. I think when I was doing my undergrad program, for example, I, I studied the arts and humanities for a handful of different reasons, but I always told myself that I could go back to school if I wanted to. And I think personally, I'm coming up on that period in time, looking at whether those are master's programs or PhD programs to put myself in, into a position to, to contribute to academia in a way that I feel can be more, even more impactful than the ways that I already have been. But I really would like to work in parallel between academia and kind of these business cases. I think that in commercial space, I want to continue to find commercially viable opportunities that can... Uh, what do I want to do with these commercially viable opportunities, Emma? It, it, it's almost as if everybody's talking about the commercialization of space. But where the rubber meets the road, as we would say, is well, what are these businesses actually going to be? What are the values that we're going to be able to create in space? And then what are markets that we're actually going to be able to sell those products or services? Maybe what it comes down to for myself is business development to some degree. Working with traditional space and maybe what we would call new space to leverage opportunities or to leverage resources to actually have maybe the most the largest impact. I think outside of business development or academia, I, I do have a soft spot for education and definitely love working with students. So I, I, I know that. So you're in action yesterday with the yeah. kids. Absolutely, this is confirmed. I can confirm Trent is a natural born teacher. <laughs> absolutely. You know, I I do. I mean, I think. What's fascinating about working with students is all of these different age groups, I think you can, you can have different levels of impacts in, in certain ways throughout kind of their, their education cycle, right? So from younger students in elementary school, middle school, high school, and then those in university and, and on to even grad school. And just being able to, I think, build different programs or even get to speak with students. In the space world, you get a lot of hype around like astronauts, for example. And I think that it's definitely valuable to show students that there are still really exciting opportunities. And, and as passionate as I am about human space exploration, I want to show students there are other potential ways to have large impacts on the world through avenues like space and space research. I can already see the Trent Trash Foundation at some point. It's going to be full circle. But something about foundations is I, I do feel that there are a lot of people coming together to create something. And I think that's just, that's the easy part is, is starting a, a project, but actually being able to deliver on a project is, is another level. And I feel that my time is going to be more, is going to be better utilized by propping up and supporting the community in other ways, as opposed to starting my own foundation. foundation. Yeah. Well, Pity, I already see it somewhere, but I totally respect this. Okay. Thank you very much, Trent. This was a very interesting conversation and is always a fantastic opportunity for me to just speak in the minds uh, of other uh, fellows and understanding where they are going, how, what they, how they see about space economy, the space geopolitics and all these fields that we deal as Space Watch Global. So I thank you warmly for being here with me. I wish you and myself a fantastic uh, last uh, three days in the Maldives and I'm looking forward to talk to you again. Thank yeah, you very thank much. You. Easy peasy. Super easy peasy. If you want to keep the pulse of the space industry, please visit our website at www.spacewatch.global. Subscribe to our newsletters, and of course, don't forget to become a space watcher. I'm Emma Gatti, Editor-in-Chief of Spacewatch Global, your independent perspective on space. See you next time. Ciao.